0: tennessee just sounds perfect whether that's live music the crack of a campfire or kids laughing on an adventure
1: to start planning your trip visit tnvacation.com tennessee sounds perfect
2: happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year
1: Welcome, Ridiculous Historians. Thanks for tuning in. A uh, little bit of background at the top of the show today. We have been gallivanting uh, hither and yon. Let's see. Uh, Noel, where were, where were you recently?
0: Oh, I was in Mauritania uh, for mm-hmm. a little while. And then before that, I went to Fraggle Rock. Mm-hmm. And then I spent a little bit of time down under mm-hmm.
1: uh, in Little Australia. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I went to... Uh, Texas. I pursued some of my uh, old ska band dreams. What Uh, does that mean? Is Texas like ska central? No, no. This was after Texas. After Texas, I went to Brussels uh, where my ska band lives. Uh, It's a long story. And then also, let's see, between us, we've got Chicago, Los Angeles, Some other countries again, but we we can't mention those. Uh, Fraggle Rock was by far my favorite, though. Those little dozers are adorable. Dozers? I think they're an authoritarian regime. That's also true. I have serious problems with their government That's fair,
0: but they're still cute as (laughs) buttons.
1: So so despite all of our travels, I got to say it feels so good to uh, be back in good old Atlanta, G.A., U.S. Uh, We are— Joined today by our guest producer, Paul Mission Control Deckett. Let's give it up for him. Uh, And wait, we said your name, you're, you're Noel. I am. Even if we didn't, I still am. Okay. And I'm Ben. Yeah. Do we get, you don't don't need
0: to have your name said for you to have an identity, sir.
1: That's true. That's true. Uh, But. If you want to be a citizen of the United States, there is some paperwork involved as well as some verbiage. You have to recite an oath. You got to speak an oath. Mm -hmm. You got to put your bloody thumbprint on a document. Mm -hmm. Sign your name in in, in blood. No? Well, uh, you know, it's changed over time. You still have to have interviews. You have to take citizenship tests. Naturalization is what they call it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And— all three of us recording today and quite a few of us listening today are citizens of the United States. Uh, what's strange about this is that the United States is one of the countries that gives you citizenship just for being born here. Not every country is that way, but if, regardless of what your parents' past is, etc., if you were born on U.S. soil, Typically, for most of history, that makes you a U.S. citizen. However, you and I started looking into a very, a very strange story, something about honorary citizenship. You know, uh, this, this means that <laughs> you're allowing the U.S. to kind of claim you. They're like, all right, she or he is one of the good ones but they don't have to actually do anything right. and you don't have to do it's anything.
0: Like getting an honorary degree, you know, just for being a good guy.
1: Or like how a professor emeritus doesn't teach classes right. really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Emeritus just implies some sort of like ephemeral kind of like honor, you know, where yeah. you just speak by virtue of being this luminary in the field, you, you get to be this thing.
1: Yes, exactly. And that sort of applies here as well. That's I agree. I agree. Uh, and I think that's spot on because it would be cool to be an honorary citizen of a country. Like I'd love to be an honorary citizen of Bhutan or uh, Vanuatu, which will show up in a later episode. Uh, but in the case of the U S we found out that it is a, uh, it is a real thing. You can't have honorary citizenship. If you don't want the whole kit and caboodle, uh, the problem is that honorary citizenship may be one of the most difficult Things to achieve in this country of
0: ours. That's right. It is granted by an act of Congress and the president. uh, And to this day, unless we're missing one, uh, only
1: eight honorary citizenships have been bestowed. The entire time. Only eight. Only eight. Here's what the State Department says about honorary citizenship. Honorary citizenship does not carry with it the rights and privileges of ordinary citizenship, and such status does not confer any special entry, travel, or immigration benefits upon the honoree or the honoree's relatives and dependents. You were in Texas, weren't you, Ben? <laughs> it also does not impose additional duties or responsibilities in the United States or internationally on the honoree. It is a strictly symbolic act, and no oath is required.
0: Aha, so it's not quite – the so it's literally just like a wave of the hand, and then it happens.
1: Yeah, it's like a key to
0: the city. I was about to say
1: key to the city. It's yeah. just like that.
0: And it's first of all, you – They they can give it to you without your consent, too, can't they?
1: Yes, sort of the way that uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints got in trouble for proxy baptisms.
0: Right. That's a whole can of worms there. But, yeah, that's the thing. None of these people are, like, asking for this as as some sort of benefit or, like, it's going to do something positive for their lives or they're going to be able to use it in any functional way. (laughs) It's a strictly symbolic act that implies that this individual, not a citizen, has done great things to aid our struggle as a country. It's such an attaboy. And that's why it's such a thin list, because Uh it has to be a lot. Like, the burden of, uh, you know, do-goodery is quite high.
1: That's true. That's true. So what we wanted to do today was explore the stories of these eight honorary citizens, uh, many of whom will be familiar to you, some of whom may be uh, deep cuts. Uh, So let's get started with... uh, First and foremost, one of the most pugnacious, uh, (laughs) one of of the most pugnacious acerbic uh, characters in modern European history, Winston Churchill, who is his drunken escapades are worth an episode alone, I would say. But Winston Churchill was the first foreign national to receive honorary citizenship in the United States. Eight states, this is interesting, had already granted him citizenship, just not the federal government, which I didn't know was a thing that could happen. You know, if you're, I guess if you're the uh, the governor of New Mexico or maybe you're the, go- what? what's a different state? What's a state no one talks about? Delaware? Fraggle Rock. Still not a state, man. What? It's legally a territory. That's messed up. It's. I'm telling you it's because they have. Tremendous, not human rights abuses, but fragile rights You
0: don't abuses. think they, they should get honorary statehood just for their contribution to popular culture? No, man. Really? No. Those have, war crimes are really bugging Have me. you read the
1: UN reports? No. no. Oh, man. They're, they're heavily redacted. So, <laughs> yes, they are, and they should be. Uh, I am not a fan of puppet crime, which is why I support Sesame Street. That's fair. But you can love them both, right? It's not a Pepsi Coke thing. So, yeah, I did not. I was not aware that states could individually grant citizenship, uh, but eight states had already granted citizenship to Winston Churchill. His mother was American, uh, and this happened all before JFK and Congress followed suit. So we have a quote from Kennedy uh, in his proclamation. Here's what he said about Winston Churchill.
0: Yeah, this proclamation praised Churchill for his, quote, bravery, charity, and valor, both in war and in peace, have been a flame of inspiration in freedom's darkest hour. Is that a, okay, Kennedy?
1: I mean, uh, there's probably a Kennedy, there's a, sounds like. There's, there's a
0: little bit of Kennedy <laughs> in there. There's some Kennedy in there. There. There,
1: was, there was like maybe 10% Kennedy in oh, there. Oh, we got to mix it up. Let's keep it interesting, right? It's like potted meat. It's like potted meat. <laughs> yeah now with 10% kennedy exactly i would i would buy that at the grocery store so churchill is watching this he is despite the the flagrant abuse he's subjected his body to over the decades he is still alive he is 88 years old he's watching a satellite relay of this from his home in london and his son randolph accepts the honor on his behalf one other interesting fact uh <laughs> One other interesting fact about Churchill he was also the recipient of the nineteen fifty three Nobel Prize for Literature, which a lot of people didn't know but that's him that's that's an easy one the the famous uh rip roaring oh okay, I can't keep saying Winston Churchill is a rip roaring drunk unless I do at least one quote how about rip roaring cigar smoking drunk there we go yeah perfect let's let's just pull up one of his uh weirdest Weirdest drunk quotes. A real humdinger. A real humdinger. So once upon a time, Winston Churchill is in a conversation with MP Bessie Braddock uh, or the conservative Lady Astor, who was the first female MP. And one of them accuses the prime minister of being, quote, disgustingly drunk, uh, to which he responds, My dear, you are ugly, and what's more, you are disgustingly ugly. But tomorrow I shall be sober, and you will still be disgustingly ugly. Oh, man. (laughs) Jeez, if
0: that didn't get him a swift slap across the
1: jowls, I don't know what would. (laughs) He's he's got jowls that are hard to miss. For sure. So he wasn't perfect, but uh, he... Had tremendous influence on the course of yeah. the world in which we live today, and he's an honorary U.S. citizen. But wasn't
0: he also like weirdly eugenic, or he did like you had some you had some real yeah. real weird deep cut Churchill
1: issues? Yeah, he's stuff. not he's not super cool. He's not a cool guy. He was just very racist. That's what it was. Yeah, against uh, people who lived on the Indian subcontinent. Yep. Yeah. Not he, cool. He was still very much a son of the empire, mm-hmm. as in like the um, colonizer kind of like mentality. Yeah, no, Star Wars like evil empire. Yes, yeah. Most of most of uh, the prequel Star Wars films are actually based off Winston Churchill. He even kind of sounds like the Emperor. <laughs> he does, you he know. Oh, ah, yeah. it
0: is I, Winston Churchill, the Emperor.
1: At the last second, and this is the biggest controversy about Star Wars, they actually cut out Winston Churchill's character and replaced him with Jar Jar Binks. So if you look back, next time you watch Star Wars, you remember how much people disliked Jar Jar Binks. Just imagine it in its original form with Winston Churchill. Ew. (laughs) It's great. It's 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 a good piece of cinema. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool
0: in hourly hiring.
1: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. Visit Snagajob.com or text SNAG to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
1: This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. See Mint Mobile for details. So that that was the first one in the era of JFK. But who was after that? It wasn't until 1981,
0: shockingly, uh, which I guess makes sense considering how few of these there are in the grand scheme of things. But uh, we have Raoul Wallenberg, who is a historical figure I was not aware of, but something of a of a Oscar Schindler type figure.
1: Mm-hmm, Yeah, yeah. So. Hungary fought alongside Germany during World War II and passed uh, passed anti-Semitic discriminatory laws toward Jewish people. But the Jewish population of Hungary was, to a degree, spared the uh, tragic, horrific genocide of the Holocaust. Once Hungary wavered in the Axis cause, Hitler ordered the country immediately occupied and. Jewish people living in Hungary were ordered to be rounded up and deported. And within the space of one year, a half million people were murdered by the German regime. And this is where Raoul Wallenberg comes in. What, what makes him a, a schindler figure?
0: So uh, Wallenberg was a businessman who got sent to the Swedish embassy in Hungary, and he uh, was an issuer of passports. He issued 650 passports to Hungarian Jews with ties to Sweden, and that would offer them protection from deportation. So when Wallenberg got into this post, he um, looked at how massive this humanitarian crisis was and decided he needed to really – take take charge and step up his game. Um and so with a little bit of creative uh, paperwork, a little bit of, you know, kind of um maverick like uh, diplomacy, mm-hmm. he um was able to protect in the same way that Schindler shielded Jews with jobs in his factory and kept them from getting, you know, sent to the camps, he was able to shield them with this
1: uh paperwork and these passports. Yeah, and he didn't have the luxury of thinking in a very long-term way about this. This is a crisis situation. He's just attempting to save innocent lives. The fascists learn of Wallenberg's operation. They they pick up the scent, and so they immediately invalidate all the paperwork they can find. They round up uh, Jewish people who had escaped with his help. And they force these people to walk to the Austrian border. But Wallenberg is undeterred. So he is driving behind this forced march, and people are pointing guns at him, and he's ignoring it. He's, he's feeding these people, he's uh, bringing them water, he's attempting to do anything he can uh, medicinally, and he still keeps issuing these documents. So at this point, there's a good argument to make that he has defied death, that he should have been shot, right? So let's fast forward to the Soviet Union. They occupy Hungary in January of 1945, and they take Wallenberg into custody. And here is where we stumbled across a mystery. Raoul Wallenberg, you see, was never seen in public again.
0: Oh, that's a, that's so anytime you say that statement, shivers, my friend, and they were never heard from. Again, has to be a pregnant pause before again. Because yeah. if you just leave it as never, never heard from, mm. and that's sort of like it's very vague. It's kind of like wait, what do you mean they
1: didn't call? You don't know how you don't call? They had a they had a throat thing. Yeah, they couldn't speak. I know. No. Well, this was you know this was Cold War era, so information was tightly controlled, and we do not know what happened to Wallenberg. We know that the Soviet government said that. He died shortly after being taken into custody that he had a heart attack in a prison in Moscow in 1947. But still no official word, no confirmation, and that is why in 1981 he was declared an honorary U.S. citizen, which makes you wonder, you know, how much of that was a propaganda move? Well, I mean, this clearly has a lot of propaganda potential, Mm -hmm. right? There, the aim of Uncle Sam at this point, on the record at least, is they said, you know, we're going to make him an honorary citizen because this will pressure the Soviets or the, you know, the Reds or whatever they called him at the time to disclose information about Wallenberg. It did not work. No, definitely did not work. He was never heard from. Again, 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 again. Yeah. Paul, can we get a, a little, a little a distant ghost, A wind? ghostly whoosh? Felt that
0: crossed my spine. All right, Ben, who do we got next?
1: Only a, a scant two years later. A scant two years later, 1984, our third honorary citizen is William Penn. So this story dates back to the 1680s. There was a guy named Charles II. He was in charge of a place called Britain. He owed the Penn family money, like Lannister style. You know what I mean? Uh, so he settled a debt with them in sixteen eighty one by giving William Penn forty five thousand square miles of land north of Maryland. He gave he said, you know, I can't pay you the cash, but here, here's all this land.
0: What'd they call it? Penn? Pennville? Pentown? Uh Pennyweight? No. Pennywise. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I'm thinking it's something more familiar that we may have heard of before. Although now that I'm thinking about it, why Penn why Sylvania? Well, I want to know the the origin of, of Pennsylvania. That's like Transylvania. You think that's what it is? Sylvan means forest. That's a good point. So a Sylvania is a Sylvan... Region, Pen Forest, maybe. Yeah, this is what we call real-time etymology. <laughs> where just, we just we just kind of spitball it out. Probably true, maybe. possibly not true. This
1: is this is what we call this what we call speculative etymology. Speculative etymology. I like that. I'm that's gonna be uh it's gonna be my new my new title. I like the validation. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a certificate that decrees me to be a speculative etymologist.
0: I think you deserve that, Ben, and Thanks, more. Uh, so it's true. Penn's Colony, which he dubbed Pennsylvania in honor of his father, which, you know, also one could argue in honor of himself. Hey, hey I now. Mean, you know, hey. he, he is his father's uh, son. Um, you know, they share the name. But it was uh, a religious haven, which you guys, you guys know about this, for, for his fellow Quakers mm-hmm. and um, settlers of different faiths. And Penn was a huge proponent of the rights of representative government um, and also religious freedom and the ability to receive trial by jury, uh, public education, a lot of the important tenets of the uh, U.S. Constitution and our you know wonderful country.
1: Yeah, good looking out, dude. Thank you. On a personal level. I, I enjoy all of the things that you are into, if you can hear me from beyond the grave. So the wheels of justice grind slow but exceedingly fine, and thus it comes to pass that more than 300 years after Penn first arrived in this colony, he received honorary citizenship in a country that he never lived to see established because the U.S. didn't become a thing until after Penn's death.
0: Which leads us to Hannah Callowhill-Penn, who also received honorary citizenship in that very same year of 1984. Uh, She lived in Pennsylvania for only about two years, um, and she was Penn's second wife. 24 years younger than him. Okay. I'm okay with that. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't actually work out with the the math. uh, With the math.
1: Okay, let dating us. Math. Have you guys heard the uh, Have you guys heard the dating math? What is it? It's half your age plus seven. Plus seven. Is that the every time I've heard that <laughs> outside of outside of uh, our our irreverent conversations, every time I've heard somebody say that seriously, it's a little bit off putting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like some guy you don't really know. You're at a bar, and they're telling you about their life, and then they refer to the math, capital T, capital M. Exactly.
0: Which also could, you know, I mean, I would love to believe that that in that context is some sort of acronym that we have, there we uh, go. We have yet to, to fully decode.
1: Uh, the master age technical hierarchy.
0: I like that. Or how about this? The, the master age transgression. Uh, shoot. I wanted to say gradient gradient, but oh. there's no G in it. That would be cool. <laughs> the magic only, only, only math ended with a G. Um what I want to know is where's yeah. the magic? We've got the math. Now where's the magic?
1: <laughs> Just wait. Uh you will hear more about that yes, you in will. this episode. Uh so or in one of these episodes. So she's only lived two years in Pennsylvania. And you know, we're we're joking about the the math or whatever, but you know if, if people are happy and they're not hurting anyone, let them be happy, right? She didn't get honorary citizenship because she, because of her husband. Uh, she, in her own right, was known to be an activist and an advocate for espousing the same principles that William Penn uh, also evangelized for. Yeah,
0: when William um, became sick in 1712, uh, he had a bunch of strokes, actually. I didn't really realize that. And gradually... became worse and worse and just wasn't all there, she was able to kind of take over the business that he had started and carry on that mantle and really manage the colony's uh, affairs. And she would have, was sending letters to various um, officials within the uh, the colonial governorship. And when William passed away in 1718, she became the, essentially, the governor herself. But mm-hmm. that's not what they called it. Um, they called it sort of an act Proprietor, which I guess is sort of like uh, being uh, what do you call that when you're interim governor? I you're guess like a substitute know? landlord, yeah, a substitute landlord. Which yeah, it's a little bit diminutive for sure. Yeah. No, it's a lot of bit diminutive. Uh, and then she passed away in 1726, and she was uh, the longest serving woman in control of a British colony,
1: a very important colony as well. Hannah Callowhill Penn uh the, she is i would say one of the more upstanding people on our list speaking of uh speaking of controversy which i have foreshadowed just a bit here fun <laughs> we'll see our next one is mother teresa her first name was agnes but everybody called her mother teresa and if you grew up around the time that uh Noel and I grew up, then you have you heard about her as a kid. She was hot. She was big. Yeah, yeah. In the scene. Yeah, she was a real she she was a real guaranteed uh headline, right? You have a Mother Teresa headline, boom, papers are selling out. Back when people used to read physical newspapers. Agnes Gongsha Bojaksu, uh <laughs> That's G-O-N-X-H-A-B-O-J-X-H-I-U.
0: Not going to lie, we had to Google that one (laughs) for the pronunciation. Yeah,
1: yeah, we did. Uh, She, like Churchill, was named an honorary citizen while she was still alive. Get this. She and Winston Churchill were the only people so far to be named honorary citizens while they're still alive. It makes me think of um, currency, you know, Mm -hmm. like here in the U.S., you don't get your face on currency or coin until well after your death so far.
0: So Mother Teresa was an Albanian. She was an Albanian nun, and she had already received uh, tons of the highest you know, U.S. accolades in terms of the Nobel Peace Prize, Pre- Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, and the funny thing is, is she didn't really spend a whole lot of time in the United States to begin with. She worked with soup kitchens under the Missionaries of Charity that she founded in 1950, um, had emergency shelters, nursing homes, after-school uh, programs. I almost said after-school specials. That's something different in time. That would be great. That's yeah, a little more
1: Fraggle Rock. It really, is.
0: it's very much so. And she, you know, she just founded all of these really, really important nonprofits, essentially, that mm-hmm. were uh, designed to help and nurture the poor and the homeless and just the less fortunate. And when she did receive that honorary citizenship, when she was eighty-six years old, uh, the ambassador to India, which is the country where she first started doing all of these good deeds, uh, good works, uh, called her quote a daughter of America. And she had done a lot of work in Calcutta, which was known for its poverty. And uh, she actually went on to be canonized as well and received sainthood in 2016. But this is a really interesting story. And the process that goes into canonizing someone within the Catholic Church is fascinating to me and some things that I was not aware of.
1: Right. For a long time, the Vatican had a step in the canonization process that required someone literally deemed as a devil's advocate. And their entire role was to argue against beautification and canonization to say this person doesn't qualify as a saint for the following reasons. You know, there were no snakes in Ireland to begin with, right? Something like that. It was abolished in the 80s, but the Vatican still, still futzed around with the idea. And Christopher Hitchens, the famously militant atheist, testified, as her devil's advocate. Wait a minute.
0: Why, why? How did he get involved in the proceedings? If he's uh, not even a
1: believer, I think he just likes to likes to stir up that pot. He man. likes to poke that bear. Mm-hmm. He likes to he likes to bag that badger. I guess he uh, he said he represented the devil pro bono a little bit more on Mother Teresa. Yeah, she was canonized on September fourth, twenty sixteen, and she still had some controversy throughout, throughout her life and afterwards because certain people would, would study her clinics and say, hey, they receive millions of dollars in donations, but they don't have medical care, st- uh, good diagnosis systems, necessary nutrition, and so on. And three Canadian academics actually uh, said that she was purposefully allowing people to suffer. Specifically, they said, Mother Teresa believed the sick must suffer like Christ on the cross. And then Christopher Hitchens was one of Mother Teresa's most outspoken critics for, uh, for a long, 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 long time. Uh, he, he said she was not a friend to the poor, that she saw poverty as a, as a necessary uh, gift of suffering from God. So Weird. he had stake in the game. Hmm. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all-day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com.
1: So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Next, we arrive at uh, one of my favorite rappers. One of my favorite recent rappers, I should say. Nelly? Uh, no, the, ja mar- <laughs> the Marquis
0: de Lafayette. Ah, yes, of course. He's from the Hamilton musical.
1: Mm-hmm. Played by Davey Diggs, who has a great, who has a great hip hop, uh, group. I want to say on the West coast, maybe they're called clipping with oh. a period in uh-huh. front. Cool. They're great.
0: He's also in the movie blind spotting, which is quite good.
1: Yes. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, I believe he wrote that. He, I
0: think he did. He, he, he co-wrote it at He least. was on Movie Crush with Chuck, uh, him and his co-writer for that movie we on Movie Crush talking about. I uh, can't remember what their favorite movie was, but you should check it out.
1: Was it Police Academy 4? It had to have been. That should be everyone's favorite movie. Because otherwise – I'm Cold classic. Otherwise, you know, Chuck and I are great friends, but I'm not going to listen to it. That's fair.
0: Um, Yeah, so uh, there's an article on on Mental Floss that goes through eight of these honorary citizens, and they make the point that I think is completely valid that the United States would not exist had it not been for the Marquis de Lafayette. Lafayette? I haven't seen them. I'm, I'm not going to do this. Song. No, no spoilers. I haven't seen the musical.
1: I don't know really any of the music. Oh, uh, just listen to the soundtrack. I should. Yeah. Really. It's, yeah. It's Is it it, pretty good. It's pretty good. It's okay. pretty. It's solid. Uh, I would. I would say you know if you're like folding laundry or something, it's good. Or you're on a long walk, maybe a plane. I don't know. Got
0: it. I do have a flight tomorrow. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, But yeah, he was the French general who was in charge of divisions in the Continental Army during the American Revolution.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the story you might hear in Hamilton is true. This guy came in supporting the ideas of liberty, equality, and so on. And he really didn't have to have a stake in this game But he is primarily the reason that France came to aid the U.S. colonies against Great Britain. And then later, when he went back to France, he introduced the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen before the National Constituent Assembly. And he co-wrote this with Thomas Jefferson, who you may remember from previous episodes, (laughs) because no one's heard of Thomas Jefferson until they listen to Ridiculous History, right? I certainly hadn't been. I certainly hadn't. You know what's weird is the way uh the way statistics work. There's probably someone named Thomas Jefferson right now. And they're probably mad that their parents named them Thomas.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely like sort of that name's sort of been ruined. <laughs> I mean you, you okay, one could argue that name has been lifted up and elevated. It's taken.
1: It's totally taken. It's taken. You it's know like what I mean? it's like
0: Michael Bolton.
1: Right, right, you know? right. Or uh or you know there are two Nick Caves. I remember that always. That always astounded me.
0: Well, there's the artist Nick Cave, uh-huh. But but people typically think of Nick Cave in the, the bad seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the artist Nick Cave is is equally awesome in his own right. He and makes these guy. crazy uh, sound suits, and mm-hmm. you know the he, we, he actually did a performance here at the building where we We were, did a we documentary on it. We did, yeah. very very cool.
1: Paul, did you work on that documentary? Paul's given us the nod. Mission huh. Control worked on it, so it's got his stamp of approval. But uh, names aside you're right. There is a tremendous argument to be made that this country would not exist without the efforts of Lafayette. And I would say he really earned this honorary citizenship. When he died, the U.S. House and Senate draped the chambers in black. They, they knew we owed this guy. But when did he when did he become an honorary citizen? It was after his death, right? 2002, quite Jeez. a bit after his
0: death, during a joint resolution. Yes, he was given that citizenship.
1: But that was the federal uh, citizenship because he was given uh, citizenship via Maryland before then, right? While he was still alive.
0: Oh, that's what we were talking about at the top of the show, this whole little the, the
1: mini-citizenship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a stretch, doesn't it? I mean, I would you—think tra- of it this way— If one province of Canada gave you citizenship and, you know, you could travel there or something, but you were still a foreign entity in any of the other provinces, that's weird. You know what I mean? Well, like what if Utah gave you honorary citizenship? Now you got to get into and out of Utah. It's tough. Seriously, like, were they going to airdrop you in there? Like, I guess I mean, so. Uh,
0: the, the, this didn't. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's it's obviously a symbolic act uh, on on all fronts here. But that's an interesting one to me. Uh, uh, so, what do we have next?
1: We have Kazimir Pulaski. So, Kazimir Pulaski also set sail for North America to help the American side in the War for Independence. Right? He wanted to fight for the Continental Cause. He did a bunch of stuff. Famously, during the Battle of Brandywine, he led a cavalry charge that saved the life of George Washington. He was promoted to a general. He organized mounted soldiers. He even wrote the book on cavalry tactics. Like Literally, he wrote a book about it.
0: What is that like? That's like mounted attacks? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, It's all about formation, huh?
1: Formation, strategy, flanking. Yeah. Knowing when to hold them, when to fold them. Yeah. When to charge them. When when to scold them.
0: When to scold them and say, "Hey, buddy, mm-hmm. you're not riding that horse very well. You're doing a bad job." And when to mold them? Get what? The, it's all about molding them. <laughs> it's all about an excellent cavalryman.
1: Yes, yes, uh, yeah. He's one of the fathers of American cavalry, and for a century or so, his death has been a holiday or what? a day of remembrance Pulaski Day. Yeah, is that a thing? I guess so. It's you and I must be horrible patriots. Paul, have you ever heard of Pulaski Day, Casimir Pulaski?
0: Paul is saying that it's a Sufjan Stevens song, and I to which I replied, uh, "It is probably bigger in Michigan." Okay, let's let's actually yeah. incorrect. It's a, it's in big in Chicago, which was the second Sufjan Stevens <laughs> state based album. There we go. Feel the Illinois. Come I, on and feel the Illinois. I
1: hope he gets the other ones. I hope he does it one day. I keep thinking about that. That bugs me. I stay up at night thinking about you and your albums, Souf. <laughs> I call him Souf. Uh, so Pulaski Day, which we have to celebrate <laughs> on October 11th, let's let's get up to Chicago. He's one of Illinois' favorite sons. Drink we'll right? some
0: Malort. Uh-huh. We'll celebrate Pulaski Day. We'll get a get a Chicago dog. We'll go see a Cubs game. Mm-hmm.
1: In Wrigleyville. Drop by Second City. Oh, man. See what they have going on Pulaski-wise. <laughs> Since that's a big celebration. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it is a holiday. Uh, and he said he sounded like a superhero coming in. So he's a Polish military officer. When he arrives in America, he looks at Washington, and, and he says, I came here where freedom is being defended to serve it and to live or die for it. Hard as nails. Really
0: tough, tough guy. Tough-sounding dude. Like the cut of his jib.
1: (laughs) And so we come to the last, but not least, honorary citizen of the U.S. Bestowed in 2014 to Bernardo de Galvez. In 1777, Colonel Bernardo of Galvez was made the interim governor of Louisiana. And at the time, Louisiana was under Spanish control. Galvez hated the British, so he helped smuggle supplies to the Continental forces through the port city of New Orleans. He also orchestrated a campaign against the Redcoats, defeating them in several battles, including Baton Rouge, and he became general.
0: Like you do, yeah. So that's when he won some pretty significant battles in the Battle of Fort Charlotte, um, and he took Mobile, away from the British. Finally. I uh, know. Do after, you want it back? A, after all these years, lo these many years. And that's when Washington um, really praised Galvez as being a deciding factor in the outcome of the Revolutionary War. Um, and then in 2014, when this resolution was drafted, that made Galvez an honorary citizen, um, that was quoted and put in the, uh, in the paperwork, in the documentation. He's also, um, you know, this is the most contemporary
2: uh, mm-hmm. honorary
0: citizenship that we've got on the books. Who knows? Who knows what's next, Ben? Who knows who will come next? Maybe um, maybe someone listening today. It could be you.
1: <laughs> it could be you. You want to
0: be a citizen of the United States and don't want to do the work? Just become a key military linchpin in some really important uh, conflict that changes everything.
1: Or, or you know, do something uh, that people will appreciate 200 years after your that's death. That's also true. That's also true. Uh, interesting facts about Galvez. Uh, he is... Although he's little known today, he is the namesake of Galveston, Texas, which I, I didn't know. I thought that sounded familiar. <laughs> right? Uh, he, hes It's weird because he played such an instrumental role, but is relatively little known. But did know? he play any instruments? The accordion, perhaps? Mm, I don't know. Accordion is a lot to haul with you. Uh, maybe he. Yeah, because he wasn't the father of Calvary. He's no Pulaski. Pulaski. Yeah. Being both from Poland and riding on horses all the time. surely He's my accordion pick. I like it. I don't want a pigeonhole or stereotype. I just think he's more likely to have an accordion. And I think about that a lot when we're doing this show. I think which of these historical figures is most likely to have an accordion? To ha- and to, to have accordion chops. Mm-hmm. So how did he die? Spoiler alert, he's dead. Yeah, he definitely died. Um, and his remains are lost to history. Ooh. Yep, we're we're doing our own sound effects now. But while his bodily remains may be lost to history, his legacy is not. The bar is very high when it comes to honorary citizenship. And while many of these people on this list are controversial for one action or another, uh, the truth remains that they did fundamentally huge things for the U.S. and in the case of Mother Teresa, uh, for people who are suffering in other parts of the world. That's right. So our hats
0: off, our collective hats off to all these folks because they really did make a big impact, enough so that we were able to grant them citizenship. And these days, the citizenship is becoming more and more of a divisive thing. Um, so it's sort of like almost the highest honor uh, that you can, you know, it's, it's not easy to get citizenship and it's becoming even more difficult to get citizenship and to become a naturalized citizen. So uh, hats off to all of these Players, players, it's players, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we want to hear your deep cuts, folks. Who do you think is deserving of honorary citizenship today? And more importantly, who do you think you are?
0: Let us know. You can write to us at ridiculous at iHeartRadio.com. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a little confrontational. Hey, man, you know. <laughs>
1: are you punchy? Are you punching? I'm not
0: punchy. I'm just punching. Okay I'm punching All I'm right. punching above my weight class. Oh boy and below the belt
1: uh, at the same time. you can you can find us on Instagram. you can find us on Twitter. you can find our favorite part of the show. your fellow listeners on our Facebook page ridiculous historians uh, and you can follow our own strange adventures. I am at Ben Bolin on Instagram. I am at How now Noel Brown on Instagram as well. Big, big, big thanks to Alex Williams who composed the track and recently appeared on an episode of Ridiculous History with us. Uh, do tune into that if you haven't checked it out. Uh, Paul, Mission Control Deccan, I'm making eye contact with you outside the studio to thank you so much, dude. Uh, Casey is pursuing his double life. He is, as Labouche, As La Bouche. <laughs> in La France. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, where he wears a leather jacket and has a single earring. Single ear.
0: dangly cross earring.
1: And we think he has two secret families that don't know about each other.
0: And lots of other secret stuff.
1: Did we mention this on air? Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay.
0: I think we mentioned it at the top of the show during the uh, the ephemeral <laughs> episode with Alex. Great.
1: Great. Well, hats off to you, LeBouche. Uh, you are missed. Uh, and thanks, as always, to Gabe, our research associate. Thanks to you, Noel. Ben, thanks to you,
0: pal. You really make it easy. We'll see you next time.
2: happy pride from tomboy x we just dropped our pride 24 collection queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop
0: when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do